Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. All right, so uh, we got two candles here. Uh, one for the last week, we you did uh, peace, hope, hope, hope. Tonight's peace. Tonight's peace. All right, I got peace on my mind. Uh, hope, and then peace, and then next Sunday night would be joy. Joy. And then we got a, a break because of the cantata, of course, and then we'll do love, I think, on the seventeenth. So, <laughs> um, but uh, tonight I'll ask you to turn to Ephesians chapter two, if you will. And that'll be the kind of the main passage that we'll look at when we're talking about Jesus Christ being our peace. Uh, is Jesus our peace? Yeah. I hope so. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's our subject for tonight in this Advent series. Uh, so, I mean, there's a really well-known verse in the Old Testament in Isaiah. And if you don't know that, that verse, you probably know what's said there from that section of Handel's Messiah. Mm-hmm. Um, but God tells us this about Jesus. For unto you a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, uh, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the what? The Prince of Peace, Prince right? Of Prince of Peace. Yeah. And whenever Jesus is referred to as peace uh, in Scripture, and there's other places besides that verse in Isaiah 9, um, I, I was always a little confused when I call him Prince of Peace because, you know, from our understanding of like, royalty, there's like a hierarchy, right? You know, we play chess and there's king and queen and this. So you got mm-hmm. king and you maybe got a queen, yeah. but the prince is under the king in our right. understanding. But uh, in Hebrew, the, the, the word prince is sar, and it means chief ruler. So it really means the same thing as king. Yeah. And we know Jesus is called king of kings, Revelation. Uh, he's referred to as that there in 19, and, and there's other places in the New Testament. He's king of kings and lord of lords. So um, when it says prince of peace, it means king of peace. It means chief ruler uh, of peace. And and Jesus Christ is that. Jesus Christ is our peace. That's what God tells us here in Ephesians 2. We'll look at verses 14 to 22. I want to read the passage as a whole together, and then we'll go through a little bit to see what these 12 verses here say tonight about Jesus Christ being our peace on the second week of Advent. So uh, Ephesians 2, and I'll ask Tommy if he can read verses 14 to 22. All right, so it says there, For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments containing ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were far off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints in the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. 
Okay, and so um, we'll expand this passage a little bit as we go through it right, right here in Ephesians 2. Um, but it's talking about Jesus Christ being our peace. It says that in verse 14, for he is our peace, Jesus mm-hmm. is. And we're, we're given a couple of different ways Jesus is our peace um, in this passage and in surrounding verses. First of all, Christ is our peace with God. Um, and, and you and I, we're born into a world <laughs> that is without peace uh, mm-hmm. apart from Christ. Uh, that world, This world has been in that state ever since Genesis 3 when uh, sin entered the picture, when Adam and Eve chose to uh, rebel against God. They threw away the, the perfect peace environment that existed mm-hmm. prior to sin. And, and so when scripture refers to Jesus Christ being the prince of peace or in places like the first few words of verse 14 here where it says Jesus is uh, our peace, we are reminded that in Christ God took care of our greatest need, which mm-hmm. was us uh, having restored peace with God. That—that right. um, That is not the default state of humans as we enter this world. Um, we don't have that. We don't have peace when we come into this world uh, because we're born with a sin nature. Uh, Pastor theologian R.C. Sproul says that uh, we're not sinners because we sin as much as we, we sin because we're sinners. We're born with a, yeah. a sin nature. And because of that, um, because that always leads to us sinning in, in life, uh, we're born into this world against God. That's how we're, we're born. Uh, mm-hmm. We're born into this world not at, at peace with, with God. That's the default state of human beings. Um, God has the Apostle Paul declare the great news of the gospel in Romans 5.10. He says, for if while we were yet God's enemies, and that's what we are, before we trust Christ as Savior, we're, we're, we're enemies of God. It says there in Romans 5.10, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, how much more now being reconciled shall we be saved through his life? And, and God has Paul declare that reality here again in Ephesians 2. And I want you to look at verses 11 and 12 now. This is, Wherefore remember that you being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who were called the uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ. You were being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, we... We are without Christ. Before we ask Jesus to be our Savior, I mean, when we come into this world, and, until that happens, we are without Christ. Mm-hmm. That's, our, that's where we are. Yeah. Um, no peace there. We're aliens, it says, from the commonwealth uh, of Israel. So meaning we're not God's people. Right. Um, we, we're described here as strangers from the covenants and promises of God. It says you have no hope, and you were without God in this world. That's what you were like. That's what... God is having Paul tell these Christians uh, in the church there. And you can see that also in verse 17. says, And came and preached peace Hmm. uh, to you which were afar off. That's a reference to Gentiles. We were all Gentiles were Hmm. afar off because they were not uh, access to the special revelation of the Old Testament that was given to the Jews. That's And then you see them that are nigh, that was the Jews. So verse 17 talks about preaching peace to both groups of people. Yeah, he did. Jesus but that's did also that. another description of us. We were afar off hmm. before Christ. And and so like maybe like me, you've been saved for a long time. And, and sometimes it's tough to remember what it was like before you trusted Christ as Savior. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, sometimes you'll hear people say, well, we're all God's children. 
like talking about human beings. And, and in a, I guess in like a sense where he's the father and God provides, like if you woke up this morning saved or unsaved, mm-hmm. he gave you life. If you have food, it was, there was like, there's like this providential mm-hmm. fatherness to God. Yeah. But outside of Christ, we're not all God's children. Right. We're, we're only adopted into the family of God. That, that's a very special thing. When we ask mm-hmm. Jesus to be our savior and we put our faith in God's grace to us yeah. uh, in Christ. What scripture tells us here is in one of these, it's just one example. We were enemies. That's what we were before we asked Christ to be our Savior. We were enemies uh, of God apart from relationship with him through faith in Jesus. Right. And I think the most succinct, the most like concise description here of what we are without Christ is verses, verse 12 where it says, you had no hope. Mm-hmm. You, know, you talked about hope last yeah. week, and, and that was what Jesus brought. Mm-hmm. You know, when, and when we study Advent, his coming, Jesus brought us hope. Yeah. Um, we had no hope before uh, Jesus, you know, we met Jesus, right. and, and we have no a, peace. And that's a connection between the two, mm. is that because Christ came and gives us the eternal steadfast hope uh, because of salvation and through salvation and through his uh, reconciliation there, it gives us the kind of peace that we're talking about here as well, that mm. even like turmoil and other things maybe yeah. going on in the world or in our own personal lives, you have a peace that passes understanding because you have a reconciliation with God. Your greatest need is taken care of. Yeah, we're so restored. So there's a connection, biblical hope and biblical peace right there. Yeah, they're definitely tied together because mm-hmm. he's talking about Jesus being our peace, but he says you, you had no hope before Jesus became uh, your peace. And so when, without a relationship of God, no hope. And yeah. no peace. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, there was a little thing I think I saw on social media, but it's been around forever. But it says, no Jesus, like um, N-O. If you don't have Jesus, no Jesus in your life, well, then you'll have no peace. Mm-hmm. But if you know Jesus, K-N-O-W, you can know peace. Yeah, That's the mm-hmm. only way. And that's yeah. what God's going to make clear uh, to us here. And, and that's what we're studying. That's what we're celebrating in Advent. We're, we're celebrating Christ's coming. He came to give us hope. He came to give us peace. He came to give us joy. That'll be the next time he came mm-hmm. uh, to, to show us what love is. But here our focus is he, Jesus came to make p- peace. Yeah. Between us and God, that, that's the most important thing. And there's some other things we'll look at, but it all branches off. First of all, uh, our vertical relationship being taken care of, the peace that we can now have with God. So Paul's addressing Christians here. It's a book of Ephesus. He's writing to the church in, in Ephesus, just mm-hmm. like we studied this morning uh, in, in Revelation. He, he's talking to people who do now have peace uh, with God because they've been born again. They've trusted in Jesus as Savior. But in verses 11 and 12, he's calling them, and he's calling even us who've been saved here tonight, try to remember, at least briefly, what it was like before you trusted in Christ as Savior, before yeah. you had this peace with God. Uh, remember what you were like. Remember what life was like. And I think verses 11 and 12 are, are pretty good description. But praise the Lord, things have changed, right? Yeah. And so let's go to verse 13. It says, but now... Now, in Christ Jesus, Tommy mentioned this, you who are sometimes you are far off, now you've made, you're made near. You've been restored to relationship mm-hmm. with God. So that separation that was between us and God, that my sin caused, your sin caused, mm-hmm. it's now been bridged by the cross of Christ. It was like this big chasm. We were over here and God was over here. And he didn't leave us. We left him. Right. Our sin made this chasm. But mm-hmm. Jesus, God bridged that with the cross of Christ. And now we're brought near. We, we have access back uh, to God. We have restored relationship with God. Mm-hmm. How do we go 
How do we go from enemy? That's how it kind of, you know, somebody has no hope, but it's talked about in verses 11, 12. How do we go from that to what verse 13 is talking about? Now you're brought near. Your peace has been made between you and God. Well, look at the end of verse 13. How'd that happen? The blood of Jesus Christ. That's, mm. that's how it happened. Yep. Christ's uh, sacrificial shed, atoning blood for us. And, and by our faith in, in God's grace to us and who Jesus is and what he's done for us. So Jesus yeah. Christ is our peace with God. Yeah, and those, and those um, Old Testament sacrifices, again, that's, that was a, an advent, a first coming advent, pointing ahead to the sacrifice that Christ would make. It's by the blood of Christ that we're made him. nigh. So all of that first advent for those that were before on that side of the cross mm -hmm. was supposed to point them to the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross in shedding his own blood for us. And now we await the second advent of his return. So Where our salvation will be full and That's complete right. and mm -hmm. done in the most complete, full, and final sense. Um, so the, the emphasis here so far in verses 11 to 13 is Jesus Christ is our peace with God. Mm -hmm. And now, once that separation and, and that lack of peace has been taken care of, once that peace is restored, well, then our, our peace in our other relationships is restored as well in the gospel. So Christ is our peace with others. That's when Tommy read verses 14 through 22. That's really what the emphasis is in those verses, mm. that we who have received Christ as Savior, we've had our vertical relationship, peace taken care of. Uh, yeah. That has effects. It has real real life effects mm -hmm. uh, on our, our, our ability to have peace w with others, yeah. especially others who have trusted Christ and Savior and had, had that. Now, we, we still live in a world where um, the world's without peace in most relationships for the most part because sin is still there. And the reason for that is most people haven't had that vertical relationship. I mean, Christians are in the minority. Um, mm. So most people haven't had their vertical relationship taken care of. And yeah, so it's definitely going to affect horizontal relationships with family and with work, coworkers and, and neighbors and things like that. And even on a broader scale, other, um, other people. If they have, maybe they have. Uh, but there's Christians who might not be aware of how that impacts them. And I think far too often, like when we think of our salvation and what has happened here, what, what Paul is describing here, um, like it's like wow like, I didn't, like we think of salvation like okay I got a ticket out of hell I got a sure home in heaven that's salvation yeah well that's like one part of salvation right but the gospel has real life impacts for us while we wait uh, that, that part of it to, to happen um, I, I think too often we, we know eternal life is ours and a home in heaven but we fail to realize that our salvation has genuine effects on life here and now too and this is where the restored peace we have with God because of our salvation also has the ability to have us have restored peace with others. Mm -hmm. And verses 14 to 22 addresses this. Um, we got to kind of go back all the way to Genesis 12, right? When God called Abraham, there was no Israelite before that. There was no Hebrew before that. Right. It was just a bunch of people uh, here on earth. And uh, God called this guy Abraham. He said, I'm going to make a nation out of you and I'm, you're going to be my people I've chosen you, and I've chosen those who are going to come from you. You're going to, you're going to be my people. And God, God created a separation between human beings. You had Jew, and you had Gentile, everybody right. else, Jew and Gentile. God created that. Uh, it, it's a division that God created, God instituted. And uh, it's different than we have other divisions, for sure, in this yeah. world mm -hmm. um, where there's not peace. Um, Human-created, uh, sin-motivated divisions that cause a lack of peace in our horizontal relationships. I, I want you to think. Think, what are some of those 
human-created, sin-motivated type of divisions that cause a lack of peace in our world. What are some of those? Greed. Greed does that. And, and so I think that could all fall under like, I mean, there's a division with economic status, like somebody who's from money and somebody who's from poverty. I mean, yeah. it, it might not be as antagonistic as some other uh, divisions. What, what are some others that this world struggles with? Pride. There's political divisions, you know. Are you red? Are you blue? Are you right? Are you left? Prejudice. Prejudice. So, I, yeah, racial or ethnic ethnic things for sure, yeah. Uh, these are sin caused. These are sin-motivated human. Human. They, like God didn't create any of those divisions. Human beings did. But the cross of Jesus Christ can restore them. That's what we have to understand. And, mm-hmm. and that's what Paul's presenting to us here in mm-hmm. verses 14 to, to 22. Um, sin created all of those ones you just mentioned. Man created those. Uh, and God, but God created the one that's referred to here in, in verses 14 to 22. Mm-hmm. And God undid it, this one. Mm-hmm. He created Jew and Gentile. And God undid that division he created in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, read, let's read verse 14. It says, For he is our peace, Jesus is our peace, who hath made both one, talking about Jew and Gentile, the one God created, he made both one, and he has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Well, what's being referred to there, do you think? A middle wall of partition. The veil, I think specifically, the veil, that's the most prominent thing, but even on a greater thing, like what that veil symbolized. That, that veil symbolized the division between Jew and Gentile. That veil mm-hmm. symbolized the law. Yeah. And that's spoken of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, where does it say in verse 15? Have abol- Jesus abolished in his flesh uh, that enmity, that, mm-hmm. that lack of peace between Jew and Gentile. Yeah. Um, even the law of commandments. And that's what mm-hmm. the Jews, that's really was a source of their... Uh, you know, they're having an issue with Gentiles and Gentiles have an issue with Jews. I mean, the Jews are like, we have the law of God. You don't. We yeah. follow the law of God. And yeah. they didn't perfectly, right? right? But they had it and they, they tried to follow it. And like Pharisees, you know, think mm-hmm. of that kind of thing. And then you got Gentile who's like, y'all are crazy. Like all yeah. your rules are crazy. And yeah, we don't want to follow your law. And there's this enmity there. And this verse, these verses are talking about how Jesus, when he died on the cross and he hung there and he said, to tell us die, it is finished. And what happened to that veil? God tore it from top to bottom. I mean, Jesus literally, God undid this division on that day. No more did you need to go into the priest and have him, you know, give some atonement of an animal sacrifice. The once and for all thing is done. Mm -hmm. And and from that moment on, we could go directly to God the Father through the Holy Spirit and dwell in us. And and Jesus, who's our great high priest and and our sacrifice all in one. And and even now, he's there ever interceding for Mm -hmm. us. Yeah, you know, we can go directly to him. Right. And yeah. so there's been this this restoration on a like the foundational scale that should affect you and I mm-hmm. and all these human sin motivated divisions that we have in this world. The gospel is is designed by God and capable uh, of restoring peace in those yeah. situations. And I think too, uh Ryrie says it in his commentary about it being the the wall literally too where like Jews were allowed to go to the temple or Gentiles excuse me but only so far yeah outside. they could only go so far <clears throat> there you know and, and the Jews were meant to part of it was to show people who the true God is mm. so they could come and convert to Judaism but the Gentiles were only allowed to go so far and so there's that 
that division also broken down. Not only the veil is torn, but also the division where, okay, this is where the Gentiles stop, can't go any further. No, you can come all the way and have access to the temple. You can have access to God because the veil is also torn. So. What From uh, Jerusalem, where where their capital was, yeah, and Judah being the capital, and mm-hmm. I mean it's just a, it's just a evolution of don't get all it's an evolution of etymology like where words come from. Yeah. I, I don't know why do we use banana? It's never it's not always been a banana, but I mean that's why. I mean there's different names for them. There's Hebrew, there's Jew, there, but it's an etymology from where their capital was, yeah. But if we, if we uh, finish verse 15, uh, it says, For to make in himself of twain, of two, one new man. So making peace. So Jesus made yeah. peace, mm-hmm. not just with us and God. But once we've had that peace restored, we, we're able to have peace with others. Now, mm-hmm. whether we apply the gospel, and again, that's what my, yeah. kind of my focus was. I, I don't think we do a lot of times. I think we're like, well, you know, I got a home in heaven, and that's what the gospel's about. It, right. it has a lot more benefits that like, we don't really access we don't apply to our lives. Saved to serve. Yeah, you know, and we're safe to follow Christ and Christ likeness and, mm-hmm. and humility and yep. and to esteem others better than ourselves. As it says in Philippians, when it's talking about Christ coming down and in His first advent, and that we should find have His mindset and His heart. Um, and so he, he, I think this is really why, and Vody Bauckham says this, so it's not originally with me, but I'm not quoting him here because I don't have the quote. It's just kind of like, all right. So <laughs> what is God saying in this passage? Here's his point. If a division that God created between Jew and Gentile, if the gospel can undo that and unite that, well, can it unite the divisions we create? Mm-hmm. The human being, the, the stupid little stuff that like we make up. The you know, I'm here, you're here. I'm mm-hmm. rich, you're poor. I'm from, I'm from Bladenboro. You're from the wrong side of the river, right? Can can it heal all <laughs> those things? It can't. Yeah, I mean, it, it can, and and mm-hmm. it should. Yeah, it, we, he has peace with with each other. Mm-hmm. Well, let me read verses uh, 17. And 22 again. And he came. Jesus came and preached peace. Tommy said this to you, which were far off, and to them which were nigh. Talking about the Gentiles and, and to the Jews. He's preaching to the Jews too. It says, for through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now, therefore, you're no more strangers and foreigners like you were back up in verses 11 to 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're fellow citizens with, with the saints and, and you're part of the household of God. That's a one thing, united thing. And you're built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together to a holy temple mm-hmm. in the Lord, in whom you're also built it together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Mm-hmm. So what happens here? Well, the gospel's preached, verse 17. We see that. Uh, and when the gospel's received by faith, that's in verse 18, uh, when we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ, both Jew and Gentile, um, there, there's a union here. There's a peace with each other yep. that's provided by, by Christ's work for us. And um, early Christians, I didn't know this. I was studying a commentary. They said early Christians, they, they referred to themselves as a new race or, or like a third race. We're not Jew, we're not Gentile, we're a new creation. Mm -hmm. And we're to walk in in newness of life. And then Jesus gives us a picture of this. Um, They understood that the gospel had real life effects Mm -hmm. on on their life. Uh, Christ being their peace. Uh, The the church is described here in in a lot of 
there's a few instances in the New Testament, like it says, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I've mentioned this to you before. Um, and we think, well, yeah, I'm the temple of God, right? And you are. There's a few instances where it's talking about you, singular. But almost the, the vast majority of them are in the plural like it is here. And the, probably the better picture of what the New Testament, what God's teaching us there is like, you're a stone, you're a stone, you're a stone, you're a stone. You're all the house of God together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Jesus Christ, he's the chief cornerstone, the thing that keeps everything in, in line, right. makes it perfect. And the foundation is the gospel that was preached by the apostles and, and, and the prophets. And uh, just one thing I wanted to address here, like I thought about just ending it there, right? <laughs> um, Christ is also our peace with self. Mm-hmm. And I, I just get burning because I, I had this for a while, and I think every Christian struggles with that at some point. But like, I think there's a lot of Christians who don't have peace with themselves. And um, a few months back, we went through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. One of the first things he said there in the Beatitudes are, Blessed, how happy are those um, who, who are peacemakers? Or they'll be called the children of God, sons of God. Not, not peacekeepers, mm-hmm. but people who are peacemakers. And, and in verse 15 here in Ephesians 2, we're told that Jesus Christ made peace. As Christ's followers, we're to be peacemakers just like him. Uh, now, how do we make peace? He did it. We don't do it the same way he did it. He did it, right? right yeah. But we do it by pointing people to him, to the one who, who made peace, who is our peace. We, we point people to the only source of peace, Jesus Christ. That's why things like any, anything this world comes up with in trying to accomplish peace, it will not work. The only thing that works is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have to have that vertical thing taken care of, and then you can, you can fix the horizontal relationships. You can fix yourself. You can't fix yourself without him. Right. You know, and... Um, we, we can't do that very well if we're not sure of our own state of peace with God. And, and what I mean by this is like if we allow shame, if we allow guilt to rule in our lives, if we're unsure if our sins are forgiven, if we're unsure that we have a relationship with God, that, that peace has been restored, if, if we don't understand the whole grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone, uh, if we think that our works play a, a, a role as a cause in any way in our, our salvation rather than just an effect of us being saved, we're not going to be very good peacemakers. I mean, we're, we're probably near the same page. Look, look at the, what we're told in Ephesians 2, 8, 8 and 9, right? You know it. For by grace you're saved through faith, not of yourselves, not of works, uh, lest any man should boast, right? Uh, but then don't forget verse 10, for we are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, unto good works. So that we, we can walk in them. That's whole, God's whole plan. That's why he saved you. He didn't save you because of your works. He saved you for uh, your works. It's, right. so, it's so clear here. And um, we're not going to have peace with ourselves if we don't really understand that. Like people who are always like, well, I don't know, have I done enough? Is my good outweighing my bad? It, I think my works might play a role in my my salvation, they don't have peace with God. They don't have peace in themselves because they don't have, they haven't trusted in Christ completely as Savior. They're still, you know, trying to put things where they don't don't belong. Mm -hmm. And you end up being just like Adam and Eve. Remember when they sinned? What did they do? They hid from God, right? Mm -hmm. And they knew they were naked. So what did they do? They sewed together some fig leaves. They're trying to 
to yeah. take care of the problem on their own. Right. That doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> couldn't hide from God. Couldn't cover their, their shame, their guilt. Yeah, no, they couldn't mm-hmm. do that. And we ended, yeah. and we, we're, we're as unsuccessful as they are, and we live in this state of peace. They were hiding from God. They weren't together with God. And um, so I'm going to go off, off script here go a little bit. Script. Right. But um, so I, I was thinking about that, that whole thing in Genesis 3. And, and what did God do? Adam and Eve sinned. They went to hiding. They're sowing fig leaves. And what did God do? He did. Yeah, he mm-hmm. took care of it. Because yeah. he's, the only, he's the one that has to take care of it. But right. God, it says that Adam and Eve, why they were hiding is because they heard God walking in the midst of the garden. And he said, where are you? So he said, where are you? Now, did God not know where they were? No, he knew where they were. He knew where they were. So why did he say that? Why did God say, where are you to him? For their benefit. Yeah, and I think for our benefit. I think in that one little question, which is actually just one word in Hebrew. I think it's like, like, I can't say it. Something like that. But, all right. If one word, and God said that to them. And in that one word, I'm just like, man, God, we're reminded that only God could fix it. Yeah. We were hiding we were mm-hmm. sewing fig leaves together pointlessly right. trying to take care of our problem. And God comes and he says, where are you? And I think it's just such a powerful reminder mm-hmm. that he had to fix it. Yeah. And that he is always the initiator of this relationship. It's, it's not me. I, I didn't decide one day to go and get saved or find God. God came looking for me like, like that shepherd with that lost sheep. And he mm-hmm. came looking for me. And, and that's always the way it's been. It's all, for every single person since Adam and Eve. He came looking for you because he loves you. Mm-hmm. And he's the only one who can fix your problem and can restore that peace. And, and I mean, coming to Advent, like I think now, like that, that question is almost echoed in Jesus coming to earth because that's what it took. Like God had to come down to fix our problem. And that's what we're, we're taught here. Mm-hmm. Um, in my heart, honestly, it breaks when I see Christians who don't grasp the peace that Jesus is for us because they live, uh, they live powerless, peaceless lives. Uh, their vertical relationship with God is unsure. And so they're, they have, they don't have peace in their relationships with each other. They, they don't even have peace in themselves. Right. Um, they're always wondering if they've done enough to earn God's favor, unsure of who they are in Christ. And so how in the world can you point anyone else to him when you don't even know who you are in, in him yourself? And that's right. not God's intent and in what he did for you. It says here, right. he is our peace. Verse 14, Jesus is our peace. It says he made peace in verse 15 at the end there. We couldn't do that. And we, we can't do that. And so my, my, my plea with you is quit trying to outdo the blood of Jesus. You can't. <laughs> mm-hmm. You'll never be able to. Now, as a Christian, we're called and we're going to become more like Christ. Sanctification. Verse 10, Hebrews 2.10. You're his workmanship. You were created in Christ Jesus for good works. You're, gonna, uh, you're called to become more like Christ. You're going to become more like Jesus when you submit to, to him over time. But you're nev- do you understand you're never going to be more righteous? than you were that moment you asked Jesus to be your Savior Mm -hmm. because it's his righteousness that was placed on you and you were declared righteous by God. You're going to be more holy. You should be. You're going to be more Christ-like. You should be. That's the goal. But you'll never be more righteous Mm -hmm. in God's sight than when you asked Jesus to be your Savior and, and he took your record of wickedness and he put it on Christ on that cross and he took Christ's perfect record. And when you said, 
Christ, I receive you as Savior. I'm trusting in you alone. Boom, you're, you're righteous. And that's why you can have peace with God. Mm-hmm. And then you can have peace with others. You can have peace uh, with your, yourself. Um, and we are. We're to imitate Christ. We're to obey him as an effect of us being saved. Again, Ephesians 2.10. Uh, but never does our obedience to the Lord play a role in our justification. Only our, our sanctification and becoming more like Jesus. So I, I plead with you to apply the gospel. You have peace in, with God in, in Jesus Christ, who is our peace. And if you have that, you ought to have peace w- with others, uh, especially others who are in Christ, mm-hmm. uh, who is their peace. And you ought to have peace with yourself um, because of Jesus Christ, who is your peace. You know, well, there's a lot of references to peace during this holiday season. There's a bunch of songs that talk about it, uh, religious and secular that talk about peace. Um, I encourage you tonight that the next time you hear that song this Christmas season, maybe you come across an ornament that's got the word peace on it. Uh, this Christmas season, as you see that word in, in books or on movies or, or whatever, uh, remember verse 11. It says, Jesus Christ is our, our peace. Hey, he's the Prince of Peace who, who came to make peace because we, we didn't have peace with God. We were separated from him. It says in verse 14, he is our peace. And um, the Greek word is different than the Hebrew one, right? But, but the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And it's not just like nothing bad is happening. And there's no war. It's actually, it's, it's much more, what do you call it, inclusive. It, it means nothing bad is happening and everything good is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a very holistic kind of, of um, definition for the word that, and for what that word stands for, for what Jesus did for us. It's not just the absence of conflict. It's the presence of blessing, and that's only ours in, in Christ. It's, it's a completeness. And we're told in Colossians 2.10 that we're complete in, in Christ. And so I encourage you to live in that truth uh, and praise God for that truth during this Christmas season.